Welcome to the Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James Jordan, once again by my co-host Cody and special guest Jill. Oh, that's backwards on that's today? backwards on the recording. <laughs> oh, dude, it took my best guess at That's it. okay. James, I'm good. How are you? Oh, good, good. What about Jill? How are you today, Jill? Oh, I'm living the dream. Aren't we all? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have a special guest today. If you guys haven't noticed, it says special guest. Jill Lima is here with us. Just another diehard fan like ourselves uh, wanted, uh-huh. wanted to mix some things up and bring in somebody else. So uh, real quick, how long have you been a Steelers fan? What's your favorite memory of being a Steelers fan? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Clearly I've not this year. <laughs> no, there is no favorite memory this year. No. Icy Light has helped me with that. But <laughs> my, I've been a Steelers fan since I was born, probably. I'm from Pittsburgh, so grew up watching the games. And it was like, you know, another religion going to church, coming home, immediately watching the game. Like, that's what we would do. Favorite memory, though, is uh, Tony Two-Tap catching the ball in the end zone to beat, uh, who was it, the Cardinals in the Super Bowl? Yep. That's a good one. Best. My mom has that framed in our game room, which is just another (laughs) room dedicated to the Steelers. There you go. Nice. Every room should be dedicated to the Steelers. Yeah, I uh, that game, real quick, I don't know if I've ever shared this on the podcast, James. that Super Bowl ticked me off because I went to this Super Bowl party that they held at the the Erie oh convention not the convention center the sports park that was there it was it wasn't Erie Insurance yet but I don't know what it was Family First Family First yes yeah and um and we went there and they they I don't know if they were having issues with the kids or what but they called us all to the gymnasium area at towards halftime because they wanted to have this meeting and get everyone back in time for the start of the second quarter. I missed the live play of James Harrison returning that interception because they called everybody to the freaking gymnasium. I was so mad. But I, as soon as people started yelling, I booked it to the closest TV. I saw it once he got past like the 50. Uh, and then obviously saw all the replays and everything. I was livid. Um, I was so mad that I didn't even pay attention to the meeting they had. It was something about the kids were breaking stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that, that Super Bowl had those two amazing plays in it for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we're here to talk about the midseason stuff. Before we do that, we always do this at the first episode of the month. James, you and I are going to go over the top downloaded states and countries of last month. So James, what do you want me to do first? Countries or states? Uh, you can hit states, I'll hit countries. You got it. Top state last month, Colorado. Sneaking Woo! in there, number one. Uh, I don't know what you guys are doing out there, but keep it up. That was fantastic. Uh, number two, Pennsylvania, close to, but you guys fell off just a little bit. Uh, Got to get back on the wagon there. Number three, Illinois, and then a tie for number four, uh, fourth place between Florida and Ohio. Uh, Ohio being where Miss Jill here is from. Uh, she has a little really? Steelers bar out there. You want to get a Steelers bar? Shout out. Yeah, shout out to Gressos. It is on South High Street in Columbus. It is the best, the best Steelers bar. Not paid advertisement, but if you guys want to throw us a bone, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) James, you want to go over countries? Yes, sir. So no surprise, the country in first place last month was the United States of America. Uh, What a shocker. And then number two, Canada. Uh, Actually, the largest number of downloads we've ever had in a single month in the country of Canada. So appreciate you neighbors up north. Uh, and then uh, number three, Spain. Fourth, the United Kingdom, because it doesn't split it into individual countries there for us, which I think personally is dumb. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate the downloads. 
either way. That's true. Expect those Canadian downloads to dissipate as we no longer have Mapletron on the team. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> They're deeper than that. They're more loyal than that. Come on. I, we still have Matt Canada for now, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> they got rid of the wrong Canada, but it's fine. <laughs> we said fire Cana the Canada, not the Canadian. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so oh real quick, Calvin Austin, the third, some injury update, Calvin Austin, the third was had his 21 day window to come off the IR did not happen as he had to get foot, uh, surgery on his left foot. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this a little bit, James, it's like having a rookie next year. So, yep. Yep. Yeah, extra wide receiver in the class. And as we're going to find out, that's a little bit more important now than it was at the time. Why is that so. James? Well, that's because trade alert, uh, big deal. We heard rumors Pittsburgh was looking to dump uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, I think a lot of us thought, yeah, right. What are they going to get a fourth or fifth round pick for him? Nope. There was a bidding war and the Packers and Bears just went back and forth, back and forth. The best offer ended up being from the Chicago Bears. We got their original second round pick. So not one from like the Ravens via trade for Roquan Smith or anything. They're original, which means root for the bears to lose this year guys uh -huh. the worse their team is the better that pick is for us uh, and they lost today so that's helpful very mm -hmm. helpful very helpful um yeah i like i i like getting the second round pick um it's a little upsetting to see chase claypool go again last week we talked about how claypool was arguably the best wide receiver in the room recently as far as effort goes uh, George Pickens obviously had that one off week last week, 0 for 3 on targets and catches. Yeah. Um, but again, Chase Claypool finally saw some dog out of him. You know, he was fighting for extra yards. He was blocking a little bit better. Um, I, I don't know. And then we go and acquire a cornerback in William Jackson the uh, third from Washington, as well as a 2025 seventh round pick and a 2025 sixth round pick. Correct. Uh, Conditional. We gave up the sixth we, round pick. We gave up the sixth and round pick. And got seventh and William Jackson the third in return. Yeah, William Jackson the third was a disgruntled player on their team, not a fan. Washington did admit uh, that they had him kind of in the wrong scheme fit, so hoping he can come to Pittsburgh have mm. a better start. So, Jill, what do we think about these two trades? Yeah. I think they're great. At first, I was like, oh, you know, losing Claypool is tough just because he's proven himself. I mean, the beginning of this year has been rough. Well, it's just all around been rough <laughs> for the Steelers this year. It's just been really rough. Um, but kind of like what you were saying, like last week, we started to see a little bit more of the like fight and like the heart in his game. Mm -hmm. So it stinks losing that. But I think the fact that we potentially might have what three picks in the top 50 for this upcoming draft is looking really good. So, yeah, yeah, we'll take those for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we could definitely use them uh, in a lot of different areas. Yeah, you have to look at it and say this team definitely at this stage is in a rebuild. We were trying to deny it and say, no, 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 we're just reloading. We're just reloading. It's not that bad. It is definitely a, a rebuild. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so the more high draft picks you can get, uh, the more you can bring in some higher end talent, some guys that are above average starters. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what we've been complaining about, about the offensive line for uh, years now, is that all the offensive linemen are third and fourth round picks or guys they picked up from other teams. 
if you want to have offensive linemen that can hold up to these elite defensive lines, well, then you need to start taking some in the first and second round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, realistically, it's going to be rare that you hit one in the third and fourth that can hang uh, with these all-star defensive ends and defensive tackles. Yeah. Uh, it, so it, I love acquiring that second round pick. And it happens uh, every year. Let's be real. There are second mm-hmm. and third round draft picks in the offensive line category that play well, but the chance of you getting the one in that category is so mm-hmm. slim to none um, yeah. that you have to start investing higher draft picks. I, I'm curious to know when the last time Pittsburgh spent a first or second round on a, an offensive lineman. I'm actually curious. I'll look that up in the meantime. Um, Pouncy. Yeah, probably. Actually, I think Mike Adams was Mike Adams more recently. He was in the second round. Okay, let's be real. Last time they got one and hit on it. (laughs) It's Um, bouncy into Castro. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. So again, yeah, I don't know what we got to do this year um, to change that. But and and here's the thing: we were aggressive in the offseason with free agency. We thought we did a lot, and Mm -hmm. these guys are just bums right now. James Daniels is letting me down more than I thought he would. Um, and Mason Cole got bullied last week by Jordan Davis, the one play. It was bad. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect. James, do you want to talk about William Jackson a little bit? I absolutely do want to talk about William Jackson the third. So uh, for those who have been fans of the Steelers for a while, you would remember back to the 2016 draft. That's when the Steelers made that infamous pick of Artie Burns in the first round. Uh, all the rumors at the time said that Pittsburgh wanted desperately to draft William Jackson the third. The uh, jerk Cincinnati Bengals went mm-hmm. ahead and drafted him one pick in front of the Steelers. Uh, and ever since then, I think Mike Tomlin and staff has wondered, what if we could ever get him back? Would he still fit the system? Uh, so you're getting a guy that's a, an excellent man cover corner in Pittsburgh, I want to say. Uh, I heard this stat on another podcast that they were like the fifth most man defense as far as their coverage. Uh, and when you're talking man versus zone pass coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're very man heavy. Uh, and this is a guy that excels in man. Now, uh, when you put him in zone, boy, you better uh, make sure that the safeties know where they're supposed to be to help him out because it gets lost a little bit, uh, but still has the elite athleticism. Uh, in the cover skills that Pittsburgh desperately needs, especially with the benching of Akella Witherspoon last week. Uh, you have to wonder, you know, is Levi Wallace going to be healthy enough to play? Is Josh Jackson mm-hmm. going to be back? Uh, what are we doing at the cornerback position? Well, there's an answer now. Now we got a number one, uh, and he's under contract for next year as well, and I think his his cap hit is somewhere around $12 million. Uh, so they'll get a chance to look at it this year and say, hey, if he plays as well as we think he might play, then we go ahead and we do next year as well. And if not, well, you can just cut him before the uh, the June 5th mark and then next year at all. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm fixing my mic here for a second. William Jackson also, if I remember correctly, didn't he waive his like per game fee? He um, did, yeah. So that helps Pittsburgh out a lot as well with the fact of not having to pay that extra. Um, so hopefully he can come in and make an impact and to go back to the draft thing that we talked about, uh, in 2013 was the last, or excuse me, 2012 first round was David DeCastro. Good hit. Second round was Mike Adams. Not so great. Uh, and then in 2011, Marcus Gilbert was the second round pick. And then in 2010, Marquise Pouncey was number one. So three years in a row, you spent a first or second round or both on an offensive lineman and you hit three out of four times. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and if they would have hit with Adams, then they would have had an elite offensive line unit for a long time because uh, Foster was a part of that group too. Yep. And Foster mm-hmm. was very underrated, an excellent left guard, just didn't have high-end athleticism, kind of a sloppy build to him. But, boy, was he dependable. He was an excellent lineman in my book. Yeah. Um, just trying to see if there's any big other offensive linemen that were notable, but not seeing any in the first two or three rounds. I don't think there were. Other than the, I mean, there's a lot of like Gerald Hawkins type fourth round guys that didn't work out. And yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Demarvin over Leal. Over and, you see it. Demarvin Leal and Kevin Dotson being the two most recent guys that we've drafted, as well as Kendrick Green, who's not even starting. Um, because you know T Rex little arm kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> That's an issue. It is an issue. It's what we got to deal with. Um. But let's let's transition here a little bit. Talk midseason stats. Um, halfway through the year, Pittsburgh obviously is not the best record we want to have. Uh, what what are we now? Two and six. Two and six, Two and six. man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? I think you got to start at the quarterback position, and a lot of people are really really panicking over the amount of interceptions that Kenny Pickett's thrown so far this year. Uh, if you've been listening or watching, you know I'm not quite as concerned about it as most folks. I like that he's not gun-shy, uh, that he's willing to attack the middle of the field, which was kind of an issue for Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, when you look at uh, the yards that he was putting up per game versus what Kenny uh, versus what Mitch put up per game, uh, he moves the ball down the field a lot more. Uh, so I'll take some early career interceptions. There's plenty of examples of guys uh, that started off their rookie season poorly like this and then turned it around yeah. i think it's just more important that we give them the the correct structure around them give them time uh mm-hmm. if you can't give them the right protection well then move the pocket on a day on a on a regular basis put them on the run he can throw on the run just yeah. fine i would have to agree with that because it's like you look at even like josh allen when he first started i think he had two touchdowns to like five interceptions yeah so i think the fact that he's taking the chance and he's actually like trying to make these plays and these throws is really good so I don't want to write him off just yet. And especially, like you said, like with the line that we have, we're not giving a lot of opportunity to see how, like what he can really do. So, and he's gone against like opponents who are combined like 21 and nine, you know, like you look at who he's been playing against. So. Yeah. Hasn't been the easiest road for him in the league so far. And especially, I mean, consider this, the offensive line, we've, we've talked about it already. Um, Imagine mm-hmm. him coming in behind the offensive line that Ben played with half of his career. Um, it, it, it would be a night and day difference, not only because of him having more time in the pocket, but the running game wouldn't be as stagnant as it is. And he'd actually be able to spread the ball a little bit more because defense would have to be playing back off the line or, or excuse me, playing up on the line against the run. And then he would have more options of what to do more, whether they did RPOs or um, different stuff like that. They could incorporate more. And again, I also think that we, we're not ignoring the fact, but we haven't talked about it yet on this episode. Offensive play calling has been absolute trash. And, and not in the sense that I don't think they've given him opportunities to throw the ball, but they haven't given him plays. I mean, you just said it, James. Make, the, make him allowed to scramble. Make a play where he's on the move. Um, even if we see one of those, you know, the trickery plays. We saw Chase Claypool throw a touchdown pass last week. Let's see those tight end screens that we ran in the past that you kind of, you know, you you bring the team to the right and set a tight end to the left and toss it mm-hmm. on the way. There's so much easy things that you can do to make this easier or better for him. And I feel like we're just not doing those things. Um, 
which is really frustrating, but I think Trubisky's played well. He's completed 112 passes on 165 attempts, which is a 67.9% completion rating, which is 7% better than Mitch Trubisky at this point. And he has 962 yards. Um, his average per attempt is only 0.4 yards less than Kenny or than Mitch Trubisky's. Uh, but again, the two inter- two touchdowns to eight interception ratio is what people have an issue with. But James, you kind of already talked about that, whether that be Deontay Johnson giving up on a play or a tip pass. Mm. It hasn't always been his fault. And so I'm happy he's not gun shy. I'm hoping this, that moving forward again, J- James, we talked about this last week. This is the time to change the offense if you need to and change the gameplay. You have two weeks now bef- in between games. Change up the style that you're running things. Change up the offensive play calling and fix it now so we have a better second half of the season because we have an easier second half than we did first half. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, The list of opponents, which we're going to talk about after we start talking and getting through all this with all the players, uh, it's drastically lighter in the second half than it was in the first half. It was like a murderer's row of the toughest teams in the league that we've played so far. Uh, and Kenny had to go against the worst of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just a, a very difficult situation for him to be in. Uh, but I love that he's kept his composure. He's not losing his cool out there. Uh, you know, when that Buffalo Bills player jumped on the back of his legs at the one play, he stuck up for himself. He didn't back mm-hmm. down. Uh, at the end of the last game, when he was getting interviewed, he called players out and teammates and said they're not watching enough film. And if we don't get uh, more in the books, this is exactly what the rest of the season's going to be. I love that. You need that in a leader. You need somebody willing to call his peers out. Uh, if people are going to look at him and respect him as a leader, he needs to be able to do that. Uh, and I'm I'm grateful that he's not scared to do that already. And that might be partially because he's old for a rookie, you know, 24-year-old rookie. A lot of them are 21 or 22 years old. So yeah. uh, he's probably a little more mature than most. Uh, but, I, you know, I think you have to uh, you have to be happy with how he's moving the ball with his legs. Uh, I think he does an excellent job of getting some first downs as to where Mitch was looking a little bit lost in the pocket sometimes. Uh, and I would say probably half of those interceptions were either tipped balls or guys giving up on routes. So uh, that's why I'm not so concerned about the eight picks. And I want to say it was even worse with Peyton Manning, his rookie year. He was like two for 10 <laughs> yeah. early on in his rookie year. So yeah, Peyton had it rough. Um, running game wise, we don't have a single player over 400 yards rushing. Uh, half of the teams, probably over half the teams in the league right now, I think have one player with more rushing yards than we have. Uh, <laughs> so that's not exactly a good thing. Um, pain. but <laughs> A lot of pain. But Najee Harris, <laughs> It, it, it's hard because I, I understand that he's not getting the holes made for him by the offensive line. But at the same time, him being a bigger guy, we've seen Jalen Warren burst mm-hmm. into some big plays because he's small and can fit through the lines that the offensive line does happen to make. They're just not very large. Um, so Jalen Warren's averaging 5.3 yards per attempt and Najee's only 3.3 yards per attempt. You don't want to see that kind of drastic difference between a first round draft pick and an undrafted free agent. That's not exactly <laughs> ideal. I don't know. What do you yeah. guys think about this? I think some of that goes back to what we've already talked about with play call. Like it's just bad play call. <laughs> like we're running the same routes over and over. So it's, it's predictable. It's like we open up a playbook and here's one of three that we're going to play. And the defense can just read that right from the get go. So. Yeah. And I think it's important that in the second half, uh, Tomlin basically has the conversation with Canada and tells him, hey, listen, you got to let Kenny start calling some audibles. 
because uh, you can tell there's been some situations where it's a stacked box. There's eight or nine guys in there, uh, and it's a run play that's called, and they don't audible out of it, and they mm-hmm. need to because the likelihood of that being a successful play is extremely low. Uh, and then it gets stuffed for a loss or right at the line, and everybody's like, well, yeah, obviously. We knew before it was snapped if it was going to be a run play, it wasn't going to work. Uh, so we gotta got to set Kenny free and trust him. Uh, to audible out of some of those situations where the box is overstacked uh, and just get into some sort of pass play just to give uh, give the, the team a chance in those situations. Because otherwise, uh, I mean, these guys are going to the line. And tell me how demoralizing that would be, knowing that there's more people in front of you than you can block, than more mm-hmm. people than you have blockers, full well knowing somebody's going to hit your running back before he even gets out of the backfield. I'd be really curious to see what the number of average audibles per game for a quarterback is in the NFL, because I bet you it's not a low number. It's probably 25 or 35% of their plays get audible just because quarterbacks know certain things and they have certain backup plans. They, they cut, and sometimes they do that strategically. They come out in a set to see what the defense does. And then they know, Hey, if they come out in this, we'll audible to this. If they come out in this, we'll audible to this. Sometimes it's not even just between two plays. And I think by not giving Kenny Pickett the ability to do that, you're taking away a massive amount of opportunity for him to not only grow and understand defenses, but grow as a leader, grow and have the players trust him and trust his play calling ability. Because right now it does look bad for him. If he's forced to run a pass play when he's like, hey, we should run this. There's, there's nobody in the B gap right now. And, and we have two, two of the best guys there. Why not hit that hole real hard with Najee and if we have Derek Watt in the backfield or whoever? Um, and him not having that ability to do that really takes away from the creativity that I think a lot of the offenses in this new day and age are running. Like Josh mm-hmm. Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Russell Wilson in his prime, audible so much. And Kenny Pickett isn't, isn't, getting the opportunity he's not allowed he's not allowed like that's crazy he's not allowed that's crazy so i don't know i again kenny pickett and you talked about kenny pickett's mobility compared to mitch trubisky kenny pickett's averaging 5.2 yards per carry uh on scramble plays and mitch trubisky averaged 2.2 that's a three yard difference uh which is drastic uh for those two guys so and And who's leading the team in rushing touchdowns kenny pickett with two that's it man (laughs) with two that's my quarterback right there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's absolutely horrible uh anyone else running stats that you guys want to talk about I, we've seen end arounds with chase claypool deontay johnson steven sims gunner olszewski uh and and george pickens as well i believe and i don't think these have been as productive and the ones that were were mostly chase claypool who is no longer with us <laughs> right <laughs> i'm looking forward to seeing a lot of it with steven sims the rest of the way because i do feel like he's going to be the beneficiary of the chase claypool play uh, trade there in the additional playing time. I think a lot of that's going to go to him. Uh, also, I think even though it's one carry, it's worth noting just because people whine and complain about him all the time uh, that Derek Watt one run for two yards was for a first down. True. So, out of boy, Derek. <laughs> Turn down for what? <laughs> oh and he's got that touchdown catch too. I mean, come on. This is a good year for him. Yeah. Um, look. James, I'm going to let you lead off into line conversation because I just want to yell at all of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's to me, the biggest thing right now is uh, you got a, a fourth round guy in Dan Moore Jr. side who seems to struggle with speed guys and then also with bull rushes. Uh, Kevin Dotson, which he seems to have all the physical tools, 
but seems to get confused time after time as far as handing off blitzers and stunts and twists and things. Uh, Mason Cole, who looks like he's playing on maybe one good arm, two bad legs and one bad arm, uh, but was better at the beginning of the year than he is now. So I'm really hoping that uh, with a couple weeks of rest, he heals up and starts playing a little better in the second half. Uh, James Daniels, we were hoping would be the steadying force at right guard, right? This is the guy that we paid like $9 million a year. Uh, and I feel like he's had some games where he's pretty good. And then other games where you're like, how the heck did we pay this guy $9 million? Uh, and then the same goes for Chuksakor for he's making 10 a year. And uh, there he is out there. And again, another third, fourth round pick. It's that's what the offensive line is. A bunch of third and fourth round picks are guys we got in free agency. And then we're wondering why they're not elite. Got to invest where you want to see potential and things unlocked. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about this at the beginning of the year, James, was a lot of like, you know, these guys are all young and they haven't played together. Let's hope by midseason they're gelling. Guess what? They're not. <laughs> um, I, I, and it's, I don't know if I've seen an offensive line for Pittsburgh and, and Jill and I were talking before the show that we were spoiled. Like we growing up, we didn't get to see this with the Steelers. We didn't get to see mm-hmm. uh, the Steelers play this poorly. I haven't seen an offensive line play this poorly for Pittsburgh since I can't say my birth because I don't remember watching them when that young. Uh-huh. But easily since, you know, 97, 99, mm-hmm. um, I, this is so new. The fact that basic communication that you would expect out of an offensive line, like when someone's uh, running a, a stunt or, uh, you know, swapping players, they're just missing people. P- people are running mm-hmm. straight by Dan Moore Jr. so often. And it's not only like they're running around on the outside, they're running past him on the inside as well. Um mm-hmm. So you'd like to see more out of these guys. James Daniels was a high dra- pedigree draft pick uh, and then comes in and, and doesn't play super well for us. Mason Cole, I think, has one or two Pro Bowls, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken. No. no. No, no. He was more of a backup from Minnesota than he was. Who am I thinking? I'm thinking of somebody else from uh, Minnesota then. Um, but again, these guys, it's almost like they haven't practiced together. Is what it feels like, which is sad. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and at this point, they've got, what, like three, four months together. So they should be gelling pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just not what we're seeing. Uh, and the worst part about it is you can't even look at the backups and say, well, there's this guy. Maybe he can be developed, and, and let's bring in uh, Kendra Green. No, no, we tried that experiment last year. That was awful. <laughs> and the only thing he might be worse at than center is guard. So uh, he's about useless. Uh, and then the other two guys are, are backup tackles that have played some guard before, but do you really want them to do that? Well, we got guys limping around out there in the huddle and the backups aren't coming in. So that tells you what the coaching staff thinks of the backups. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be addressed. We've got to get some higher quality starters, uh, downgrade some of these start current starters to backups, and then you might actually have a solid offensive line again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're missing a big piece of culture, which mm. it's just like you, when you think of Pittsburgh football, like you think of grit, you think of like hard work, like that's how this team came about. Like you think back in the seventies and, you know, we're a steel producing town. Like they were really for the blue collar, like people. And I look at this team and I'm just like, where, where's that culture at? It's not evident. And so I like seeing like young, young guys that are on the team, but at the same time, I'm like, do they, are they bought in to like the ethic of this team and what it actually could look like, which is why I really like that Pickett is saying things like 
we're not studying enough film. We're not working. Like these guys aren't working hard enough. And I'm like, that sounds like a Pittsburgh Steeler, yeah. you know? And it's funny. Cause I feel like we saw that a little bit with Ben, but Ben didn't do it in, in my opinion, in the same professional mm-hmm. manner that, that Kenny's no. doing it. Uh, <laughs> no, Ben was bad about that. <laughs> very bad about that. But mm-hmm. again, I think you're hundred percent correct. And I think that stems from a coaching standpoint, Ben, mm-hmm. you know, not, not, not Ben specifically, but like the group that we saw a lot of that grit come from was a group that was potentially under, you know, started from under Bill Cower. And I'm not oh, and saying, I think, no, mm-hmm. go ahead. I, go agree. Ahead. I, I, I agree with that. And I like will die on this hill, but like the first Super Bowl that Tomlin won, that was Cower's team. Like, I don't really credit that to Tomlin. Like, even these guys that were under Cower and, I don't know. That's just my, my thought about it. But then you're seeing all these guys leaving and I'm like, ah, yeah. it's not the same. Like I like Tomlin as a coach. But I, think, I say that with a grain of salt. Yeah. I think Tomlin coached that team very well, but the, the atmosphere that was in the room was definitely cower. I, that's yeah. how I, I don't think Tomlin's a bad coach. I don't think, right. and, and I don't, I don't think you mean this either. I, don't, I wouldn't discredit him for the win, but the base of that team was cower mm-hmm. built. Um, yeah. and I just think that I, I, I just think that Tomlin, he's gotta be close. I, I think at some point he's going to snap and not, and not become Bill Cower, start spitting at refs on the sideline. Uh, <laughs> but I think that he's going to snap and probably just start calling people out. And I don't think it's going to be public. I don't think that's how he rolls, but mm-hmm. I think at some point it's going to start happening and we're going to notice a difference. I just don't know what it's going to take to get there. And I hope that it was last yeah. week. <laughs> because I, I hope so. Cause I mean, you he, think about our second win, it's like, he was on, like, it felt like he was being pushed into a corner and he finally mm-hmm. like pushed back. So I'm like, but how many times are we going to have to lose for him to snap? You yeah. know? Yeah. James, what do you think? I think that, um, there's definitely some merit to a lot of those players being players that, that Bill Cower obviously drafted or brought in mostly uh, drafted. Uh, but you saw shortly after that, how Tomlin prioritized rebuilding the team as it was a bunch of aging veterans when he took it over uh, and rebuilt through the offensive line. Uh, he was the one that was prioritizing all those guys with yep. uh, Pouncey and DeCastro mm-hmm. and Marcus Gilbert, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, so I feel like he's got a good idea on it. I think it just kind of fell apart in a poor order. I feel like if he could have still had DeCastro or Pouncey in that locker room right now, you'd mm-hmm. have a veteran who'd be able to show these guys, hey, you're not taking pride. You're not driving the pile at the end. You're letting our running back get pushed backwards. Uh, the things that, that those grizzled old vets did, uh, we don't have one. Most of these guys are 25, four years old or younger. Mm-hmm. Mason Cole's mm-hmm. the only one older than that, and he's never really been anything significant in his career. So uh, you're, you're relying on third and fourth round guys to know what the Steelers culture is all about and, and being able to out physical people on a regular basis. And it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we've talked about this in previous weeks that I, I feel like uh, some of these players have to just kind of step up and take it personal. Uh, Cause you see Tomlin in, in these interviews after each game and people are asking him questions and he's like, what do you think? You know, and he's, he's trying not to lose his cool, but people are asking him the dumbest questions you ever heard in their life. Cause they're trying to get him to lose his cool. <laughs> and, and he's too collected for that. He's too collected to take the bait. 
Uh, but at the same time, you can tell he's extremely dissatisfied with the play from his guys right now because and he knows a lot of these guys can play better. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're a third or fourth round pick uh, as an offensive lineman, you ought to be able to at least hold your own most of the time and not be beat more often than not. Uh, and part of that is work ethic and pride. And that's, I think, what we're missing from some of these guys right and, now. And we even talked about it last year when, when, uh, I don't remember what veteran player called out the current players whenever Ben would get sacked and they weren't picking him up off the ground. And I think uh, it was Trey Essex. Yeah. And, and we haven't, we've seen a little bit more of that, the team play a little bit, but we still haven't seen the nasty. We haven't seen the fight. We haven't seen the grit. So I'm, this is probably, in my opinion, one of the top three things I hope to see out of the second half of the season improve because there's no reason it shouldn't. There's no, like something as simple as communication should be able to be improved with two weeks of time between games. I understand in the heat of the season and, and the, you know, week to week, we, we can't focus too much on communicating with each other because we got to focus on the game plan for the next team. I get it. I, I understand. I played football in high school. I know how fast those weeks go by, but this is a, a no excuse time of season to fix big problems. And that's a big problem. So uh, let's move to wide receivers. Do we want to move to wide receivers <laughs> or the receiving yeah. crew as a whole? We can talk tight ends with this as well. Um, James, you want to go over stats with these guys or start, start us off with this? Yeah, let's start off with Deontay Johnson. You know, uh, the, uh, I would say self-appointed leader of the wide receiver core. He's got 43 catches. <laughs> Let's call it what it is right now. With Deontay. <laughs> I think it's pretty well documented my frustrations with him at this point in the year. <laughs> uh, but it gets even uglier when you hear his statistics halfway through the season. So, 43 catches, 372 yards, 8.7 yards per catch, no touchdowns as long as this 25 yards. That's ugly, man. How in the world have you not broken at least one, slipped a couple of tackles and gotten downfield? Um, it seems like if you go deep to Deontay Johnson, it's either incomplete or uh, it's an interception. And I wish, honestly, that they would just stop going deep to him, just start using him exclusively on slants and outs and comebacks and stuff and let him get his eight yards and, and leave those deep plays in, in the bigger plays for George Pickens and and maybe even some of these other guys that are a little more unproven just because uh, – I'm really kind of over it with Deontay. I wanted Pittsburgh to trade him, not Claypool. I felt like Claypool had a lot more fight. Uh, and here we are, you know, he, he, before this last week's game had 50 yards after catch on the entire season. Uh, the year previous, he had over 500. Uh, so to me, yards after catch, a lot of that is desire and want. And I'm seeing mm-hmm. him just go out of bounds with no contact way too often. Yeah, let's put it this way. Deontay Johnson, uh, the leading receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers, is 41st in the league in receiving yards. Um, Embarrassing. There And now there's tight ends in front of him as well, but 41st, it, and I think there's maybe only a handful. I, I can think I count five. There's probably or, some running backs in front of him too, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> probably. N- no, there are not, no. shockingly. Oh, well, that's, um, that's good. <laughs> McCaffrey yeah. hasn't been healthy long enough, huh? Yeah, very true. <laughs> but again, you have guys that are in front of him that just shouldn't be in front of him. Um, I'm looking at guys on the list here. You know, you got, I'm trying to find one. Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets, 429 receiving yards. Jerry Judy of Denver. Sure, he's a deep threat, but so technically is Deontay Johnson. And Mm -hmm. Deontay Johnson has more 
like drops than most of these guys. Like he doesn't yeah. like target wise, Deontay Johnson to, to put this in perspective, if I organize it by specifically targets, Deontay Johnson is third on this list. In targets. In targets. And wow. 41st in receptions. 41st in receiving yards. Um, specifically oh. reception wise, he's 10th. So okay. Okay. it's not quite as bad. But when you're targeted that much as an elite receiver and want to get paid as one and kind of are, he's getting he paid is. as, yeah, he's not, he's not in the top 30 paid wide receivers, but he's up there. Um, mm-hmm. You got to perform better than that. And at some point, James, uh, Jill, I don't know if you've heard this on the podcast or not. James and I are like, at what point does Deontay Johnson take self responsibility for this and say, mm-hmm. I need to play better. Like we mm-hmm. haven't heard anything about him being in the drug room again, catching a hundred balls after practice. Right. Like, at what point do you say enough is enough from myself or what point does mm-hmm. somebody call him out on it behind a closed door? Maybe they have, I don't know. Um, it's just very it unfortunate. Look like it. No. And he's the only wide receiver in the top uh, wide receiver or tight end in the top 24 without a receiving touchdown. And it's not that he hasn't had opportunities. Mm-hmm. Nope. We've noted at least three or four times where he's had balls in the end zone uh, where he's caught him, just didn't get his feet in bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you're a number one, then uh, I would say probably eight times out of ten, you need to get your feet in bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's perfect. Nobody's doing it 100% of the time. But if you're a number one in the NFL, that needs to be more often than not. It shouldn't be that when it's thrown to the sideline to Deontay Johnson, I'm like, well, I guess we're punting. But when you do it to George Pickens, I say, oh, that's a first down, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to turn the the, uh, the tide a little bit on this podcast. We're a little bit down. There's a lot of of down things. But one thing I think we can get excited about pause before you get excited because I want to do one more bullcrap stat. (laughs) Deontay Johnson, what is he known for? What dropping the ball? Well other than that, what was why did we pay him? Why do we pay him? What was he good at? (laughs) Route running separation. Route running and yards after catch. He was good at making Mm -hmm. people miss. He is 130th in the league for yards after catch. Guess who's a hundred guess who's tied for him for 130th, James? Playable? Pittsburgh's number two tight end, Zach Gentry. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> that, yeah, if that doesn't put it screen. in perspective, I don't know what does. Oh yeah, my that, gosh. Yeah, that tight end screen, he got like 40 yards after catch on that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Embarrassing. All right, get us excited again. We need this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Back to guys that we can be excited about. Back to the positivity. There is a rookie class here that I think a lot of them are showing some potential. Uh, starting mostly with George Pickens. Uh, a towering wide receiver. He's made all kinds of acrobatic catches already on the season. Uh, I think as the season goes, he's going to get a lot more targets now with Chase Claypool gone. And I expect him to start filling up that touchdown category next to his name as well. Uh, So I think this is something that we can absolutely get excited about. Oh, 26 catches, 338 yards, 13 yards per reception right now. That's pretty impressive. Uh, so I think George is the future at wide receiver for Pittsburgh. I won't be surprised if Deontay doesn't get another extension after this two year. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, George is exciting, man. How do you guys feel about him? Uh, I'm, I'm excited about him. <laughs> I, I like him a lot. I mean, like you said, he's making these acrobatic catches, which is impressive, but like he, he seems like he's one that's going to be reliable because he is showing that work ethic of, okay, I caught the ball, and even though I'm at the sideline, I'm still going to fight for an extra one or two yards. Whereas we're seeing, you know, Johnson, he's just running off, like 
and there's no contact being made. Like Pickens is actually fighting with guys on him. And so I think that's really promising and shows that like he's actually in it and wants to like develop and wants to do better. Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree more. Um, Pickens came in and James, we saw it immediately in camp. Well, we didn't see it because they canceled camp when we went. Um, <laughs> Both days. <laughs> but, you know, we, we heard about it. We saw it on videos and on, you know, he's blown up Twitter with his acrobatic catches, his play style, his aggressiveness to go up and high point the ball. Um, <laughs> and his strength, quite frankly, his strength, even in the blocking game. We've seen him already twice this year that I can think of where he goes up against the corner and pancakes him right on his butt. Like, this is the kind of thing that we want to see. This is what we're used to. We saw this with Heinz Ward, the aggression mm -hmm. and the ability to go get a ball. Heinz Ward did this thing where he always jumped to catch a ball when he was coming back to it. But you know what he did when he did that? He protected the ball because he understood that mm -hmm. I need to catch this ball. And a lot of the times it was third down and making sure he got a first down. And then we saw this a lot with Juju, specifically more when, when Antonio Brown was still here and he wasn't a number one receiver. Um, mm -hmm. Juju was aggressive at getting the ball, aggressive at maintaining possession through contact when getting a first down. And finally, I think we hit again. Uh, don't worry, I, I heard that icy light open up. We love them here. Uh, <laughs> we love Steelers by light. the lake. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm repping the Yingling, Pennsylvania beer, let's go. Um, but we finally hit on it and, and I'm, and James, I'm up, I'm worried a little bit. Um, and I'm curious to get both of your guys' opinions. I'm worried. Everyone's worried about Kenny Pickett and his motivation or his, you know, his mental state, his excitement for playing his confidence, all this and that Bill Cowher co commented about his confidence. I'm worried about Kenny, uh, George Pickens and his confidence because he's seeing guys that aren't putting in the effort, get more targets than him. Yeah, but I think you have to look at it and say uh, it's got to be some sort of indication for him seeing Chase Claypool traded away. Uh, that's got to be a, a pretty big sign of faith that the organization has in him to move on from another previous second-round pick who still had another year left on his contract. Yep. Uh, and honestly, it puts Pittsburgh in a situation where they're a little bit shorthanded at wide receiver now because mm -hmm. uh, the other guys behind them really don't have that much experience uh, at the pro level anyway, uh, being a successful wide receiver. Uh, so I think this is a, a pretty big sign. I'm not as concerned about that uh, mental toughness. I think sometimes when you go through devastating injuries too, that kind of tests your mental toughness. Uh, and that's something that George Pickens just went through with a torn ACL. Uh, and he came back his senior year, didn't need to, and played in that uh, that championship game and helped his teammates out. He could have very easily shut it down and said, hey, I'm just going to focus on my 40 time for the draft and, and make sure I'm as good as I can be at these drills. No, he wanted to be there for his teammates. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the, the moral makeup of a guy like George Pickens uh, has already been tested a little bit, uh, and I think he's got a good opportunity to, uh, to push through frustrating times because he's already done it. Fair. I, I, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And, and again – George Pickens uh, is a beast. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's true. <laughs> Big I facts. really hope, right? I really hope, I mean, this just goes back to like developing the offense. Like if we could really, and I've been saying this for years because we will get talented tight ends and do nothing with them. Like if we could actually develop our tight ends to where we have a threat at wide receiver and we have a threat with our tight ends, like that'll throw any defense off. I'm like, 
if we could just see more <laughs> with that. Yep. And I feel like that, I feel like Pickens would be great developing with that. Like he would be the guy that like, he's the threat, you know? Yeah. We got the, we got the and, three P's. We got Pickett, Pickens and Pat. So. And Pat, we got Pat. <laughs> I mean, so, and if we would throw it in the middle of the field instead of the sidelines, I mean, <laughs> I, I get a good slant run. Like I get, but when we do it every time and we don't give, especially like Pickens, like we don't give him the opportunity to actually like dart. You can't, you can't work with that. Yeah. So, all those passes are on the sideline. You're absolutely every right. Every time. <laughs> uh, whether it's an out pattern, a comeback or a go, uh, it seems like he's only running three routes. Mm-hmm. right at the sideline uh mm-hmm. so i'm very excited to see him over the middle of the field and start stretching some some defenses because i think that's going to happen yeah um let's talk about these other three wide receivers uh, i don't think there's anything too significant with any of them uh gunner olszewski being the first one to start off with he was our starting return man early in the year uh and then in what looked like almost he got paid to do it he fumbled the ball against the new england patriots his former team uh and then did so again later on in the season and tomlin said enough is enough and benched his sorry behind uh, for for what seems to be a much more promising individual uh in steven sims I think this could be a developable talent. He's only three years in the league now uh, and had an 89-yard kick return already, right? So mm-hmm. uh, there's there's some top-end explosiveness and some ability to make some people miss. Uh, so I think there's some potential there with Sims, uh, and I won't be surprised if they move on from Gunner uh, after the season's over, especially with uh, Calvin Austin the third coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> no, I agree. I think that Steven Sims is going to have the – the opportunity of a lifetime right now to come in and basically be a number three wide receiver. Wow. Coming, he came into the, this season, probably number five or six on the list. And he has the opportunity to showcase everything and, and more. Cause you have to think he was behind miles Boykin. He was behind. Seven. Yeah. Number seven, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'd put him seven. Yeah. He was behind Boykin. He was behind uh, Gunner. Austin. He's behind mm-hmm. Calvin Austin. That you know, that's three positions right there. He's coming in with an opportunity to make a a statement and, quite frankly, make a paycheck. Um, yeah, this is the opportunity that every single person that ever desires to play in the NFL wants to to see. Uh, and this is the craziest opportunity for him in the world. So I'm excited for him to see what he can do. I'm excited to see him in the return game, and I'm excited to see him play the slot um, because that's more than likely where he's going to spend most of his time. Um. Other than that, on the season, that's going to do it wide receiver wise. Pat Fryermuth is the second leading receiver. What? Just real quick, Miles Boykin. I really don't want to see that's him fair. on offense that much. Uh, <laughs> but as far as a gunner, he's an excellent gunner. So I'm yeah. grateful mm-hmm. that he's on the team uh, because he has forced a lot of fair catches in the punt game thus far this year. Uh, and with the mediocre punt, and we're getting out of Harvin. That's been a very important thing to have. That's very true. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's move on to these tight ends, Cody. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Pat Frymuth, second leading uh, receiver on the team. He's average. He's one of two players averaging over ten yards per reception. Uh, the other one being the young Connor Hayward. <laughs> so, two of our three <laughs> tight ends are averaging a first down per reception, which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. the only one who's not as gentry, but he's 7.7 yards per reception, which is still really good, uh, yeah. for a tight end position. Again, gentry, gentry and, um, 
excuse me, Connor Hayward are the two tight ends without touchdowns. Pat Frymuth only has one in the season. And only one player, Najee Harris, uh, running back, is the only player with multiple tight end or touchdowns in the passing game this year, which is very upsetting to see. Mm-hmm. I think that this room is going to get utilized in the second half of the season. Uh, I think that they've showed dependable hands in the first half, just not a lot of uh, explosiveness on a consistent basis, but two of the most explosive plays that Pittsburgh has had this season has been a screen pass uh, to Zach Gentry and then a broken play where they went to Connor Hayward for about 45 yards. That's the longest play of the season for Pittsburgh on the offensive side. Uh, I won't be surprised if with Connor Hayward's receiving abilities, they start to kind of line him up as a slot receiver, not as much as an inline tight end, uh, and see if they can create some uh, mismatches with some linebackers covering him uh, or even possibly some safeties. And if you get a safety on him, that's great. That takes the safety out of coverage, gives you more one-on-one with Pickens and Deontay. So uh, I think that this is an under understated opportunity here for Pittsburgh to kind of expand and spread out the offense a little bit with some guys that are on the team that do have talent. Absolutely. Uh, Fun fact, because I'm going to go there a little bit real quick. Derek Watt, just trying to name some players I haven't named yet for the receiving room. Jalen Warren, Derek Watt. Uh, Derek Watt has a receiving touchdown on only three catches, which is fantastic. Jalen Warren, another player that has more yards after catch than Deontay Johnson. And guess what? <laughs> guess what? Jalen Warren has more yards after catch than he does receiving yards. So oh. boy. we're just going to leave it at that. So I think yeah, it's time. Fantastic. I think it's time to move to the defensive side of the ball. I'm a little bit depressed at this point, And I think we need to move on. <laughs> um, what do we want to talk about first? Defensive line? Yeah. Let's make it easy on ourselves and go defensive. <laughs> Here and go deep tackle because there won't be much to say about these guys. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Alualu looking the worst that he's looked in his entire career. Uh, and then not much uh, from Montrevious Adams thus far this season. Also, uh, I'm looking forward to Tyson Alualu's retirement. I am appreciative of the efforts that he had in previous years. He was very good in previous years. Uh, he is just basically not there. He's got eight tackles on the season, four solos, four assists. That's awful. Not um, and, and yeah, not much better with Montrevious Adams. Yeah. You have that in front of you, Cody. This is a yeah, long seven seven tackles, seven tackles for uh, <laughs> solo. That's it. Yeah, that's, um, that's neither, embarrassing. Neither of those guys have any stats <laughs> under sack or fumbles or anything like that. Uh, it's just seven tackles, eight tackles. Uh, to put it in perspective, Miles Boykin has seven tackles, and he's a wide receiver. So. I told you he's a good gunner. <laughs> <laughs> you, did. you said it. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. That defensive line, defensive tackle room is not uh, performing very well at all. Let's yeah, go to defensive ends, <laughs> shall we? Yes. Yes, because then we can start talking about all pros and prom players. Uh, so I'd much rather talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cam Hayward really starting to turn his season around. I uh, thought he was good in the first game against the Bengals and then started going against double teams on a regular basis. Uh, and I feel like the emergence of Larry Yogan Joby has helped Cam Hayward as he's starting mm-hmm. to get a few more sacks on the season. Uh, so I do feel like we're still getting a decent amount out of Cam, and I'm excited to see what we get out of him with the return of TJ Watt because then he definitely won't see another double team the rest of the season. Uh, so Cam might really, really eat in this second half, and that's pretty exciting to me. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about Cam. Cam's a monster. He's a mm-hmm. stud. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's the stud. I love Cam. He, um, he's right now, he is. Yes. Yeah. The, the one. I mean, don't get me wrong. Alex Highsmith is also a stud, but on the defensive line, it's Cam. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than that, the only promise we've really had is some splash plays here and there out of the He'd be a, a lot bigger of an impact than he's been thus far with half a sack on the season. That's really not much impact. Uh, I really liked what I saw out of DeMarvin Leal before in the eye. Uh, but again, the, you know, what what do we have? When is he going to come back? How, yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty neat that they were able to use him kind of like an outside linebacker. Uh, with TJ Watt gone, they weren't getting any pressure opposite Alex Highsmith, and they were using DeMarvin Leal in that role. And I thought he, he played well in that role. Yeah, I had actually had a good conversation today about somebody because of DeMarvin Leal. You know, I'm I'm down in Texas now, and DeMarvin Leal being a Texas A&M guy, uh, got to have a fun mm-hmm. conversation with a Dallas fan um, just because we were talking sports and the Aggies and we were talking, you know, college football yesterday and all the upsets that happened. Uh, but DeMarvin Leal, I think, has the opportunity to flourish into something great for our team if he can come out and be a leader and I think he just needs to get behind Cam Hayward and learn as much as he can. Cam's not going to be in the league much longer. I know he says he's going to be in the league a lot longer, um, but we'll see what happens with that moving forward. But DeMarvin Leal can come in and, and could be the next piece on the edge of that defensive line, and I'm hoping that he does because, let's be real, we don't have enough draft picks to, to replace everybody on this team. We're running out, <laughs> so... Uh, DeMarvin Leal has played very well. Larry Ogunjobi as well. Malik Reed. These guys are playing well enough right now for us to get by with the loss of TJ Watt. And again, that should only be for a, not even another week. So, Right. Uh, I want to say low-key Isaiah Loudermilk is really starting to look the part as well. Uh, mm-hmm. He's strong against the run. Just need to see a little bit of more pass rush out of him, uh, which he's self-aware of that. He's said that in interviews that he wants to get better at rushing the passer. Uh, but he has the frame and length that you're looking for. Uh, I think that after this season, at least you have those two young bucks uh, to continue trying to groom behind Cam Hayward, uh, bring in a stud nose tackle, and you might have a, a nice solid group of four to move forward with. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Jill? That defensive nope. line? Okay. <laughs> I'm excited for TJ to come back because, I mean, I, it's just crazy how much of an impact he has. Yeah. Um, and I think even just morale wise, like he's a guy that's hyping them up. And I mean, he matches his words with his actions, but I'm excited to see him back just so we can see some of these other players like really step in to what they're capable of. You know, they're picking up the slack of what TJ normally does. So I'm excited to see them develop. Yeah. Uh, outside linebackers, James, obviously Alex Highsmith. Uh, six and a half sacks on the on the season so far. Two forced fumbles. Um, and, and James, we called it. We said it last week. We they waited until the first week where Alex Highsmith wasn't the leader in sacks for the NFL, and then they started talking about the sack leaders. It's like uh, they they could give no credit to the man um, until he got to that point. Again, uh, expect Alex Highsmith to see some improvement starting after next week because he's no longer going to be the one receiving the double teams. A lot of the times mm-hmm. he'd be on the same size of Cam, side of Cam Hayward and they just three V two those guys. You could easily, if whichever right. one started getting beat, you just go and help them out. And it, it really deterred what Pittsburgh could do on the defensive front side. This addition of TJ Watt coming back from the injury reserve list 
is going to impact the Steelers defense in more. Again, you said you said it, Joe Morale. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he he excites everybody because they know they're going to play better. Um, yeah, and he you know he gets to the quarterback whether sack or not, pressure applying pressure to get interceptions, tip balls, whatever. Um, I'm excited to see what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, when TJ comes back, this is going to be a whole different defense mm-hmm. uh, with a revamped secondary now with William Jackson the third, uh, and uh, if the other guys are healthy, Levi Wilson. And- Jackson, well, then you might actually have some deep uh, positions in the secondary. Uh, Let's move to middle linebackers and talk about these guys because one of these two has really been filling up the stat column on tackles, uh, and he's starting to get some of those pass breakups that we were asking for as well. Uh, And Mr. Miles Jack, starting to look like an excellent addition uh, from free agency last year. What's your take on him? Yeah, I think Miles Jack is the best uh, middle linebacker we've gotten from the Jacksonville Jaguars in a while. Let's not talk about Joe Show because that was a horrible test run. Um, mm-hmm. But Miles Jack came out and has played very well. He leads the team in tackles with 72 and 43 of those being solos. Uh, I would like to see some interceptions from him, but again, you're you're right. We have been seeing the tip balls. We've been seeing mm-hmm. the, I mean, we saw it against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was going to be an easy touchdown to the tight end, but he just got back in the zone enough and was able to get a finger on it. And that was enough to make sure Tom Brady uh, did not have that open lane uh, to his tight end. I think that was uh, Cole on that one. But again, uh, Miles Jack coming in and and showing that he's going to be a leader for us because he's playing it. Uh, Devin Bush, Mm -hmm. I would still like to see better play out of, but um, he he is improving. No, don't Mm -hmm. hate Devin Bush. There's moments where I think he's playing no. poorly um there are certain plays where i want to yell at him but most of the right. time he's doing all right I, I feel like this is one at least it looked better than last season like oh absolutely he did not look good last season and so seeing these small improvements gives me hope that he's gonna actually step and keep improving so yeah i couldn't agree with you more on that i feel like this has been a big step in the right direction for Devin. Uh, his rookie season was just tremendous, and then that ACL really set him back. And last year, he just didn't look comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's starting to see the field a little bit better, uh, be a little more explosive. And and then we even saw him break up a pass for a two-point conversion to help seal the game against Tampa Bay, right? So uh, we've seen some playmaking starting to happen mm-hmm. out of these middle linebackers. Next step, like you guys said, force fumbles and interceptions, and I think uh-huh. that's on its way because uh, we're going to see – more pressure quicker on the quarterbacks, which is going to make them make decisions faster and make bad decisions. And that's where your athletic middle linebackers can really make a difference. Right. Yeah. Um, moving on to the secondary. Uh, well, you know what? Let's not pass up Robert Spillane. Um, he's held his own. He's held his own. He, that's about the best that I could say. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's nothing like, you know, last year or two years ago, excuse me, when he came in and, and blew it up literally against Derek Henry mm-hmm. at one play. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more from him, but you know what? Spillane has a sack. He's the only middle linebacker with a sack, um, which is fantastic. Three. And three pass breakups. Oh, three he's pass leading breakups. the middle linebackers in pass breakups. So he's showing up against the pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's fantastic. That's better than what we've had in recent past. Um, as yep. far as the middle linebacker, minus Ryan Chazier. Um, I almost said RIP. He's not dead. Just his career. He's not. We just. Um, it's just really sad. It's just really yeah. sad. Um, but yeah. So moving on to the secondary, I'm going to go corners first. Um, we this has been the most up and down year I think at the cornerback room that I can remember. 
Uh, yeah, you, have, right. you have guys like Akilah Witherspoon and Cameron Sutton that were supposed to come in and be the one and two, and they just haven't performed the way that I think we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to Trey Norwood. Granted, he's been playing some hybrid safety looks. Um, James Pierre has had an up and down season. Levi Wallace came in from free agency from the Buffalo Bills. We thought he was going to be a great addition. Haven't seen anything crazy from him. And then you got mm-hmm. have the guys coming off the practice squad whenever these three guys went down. Uh, and Josh Jackson, who pl- actually played fairly well his first game, and then the second game was like, oh, no, what's happening? Um, it, it's just been a very up-and-down season from our cornerback room, and I don't know what we need to do to fix it. Obviously, the addition of William Jackson, hopefully that has an impact. Uh, mm-hmm. But out of these guys specifically, I'm not sure what's going on. I feel like it's a low-key underrated season for Cam Sutton. Uh, He's got eight pass breakups on the season, which is an enormous amount for halfway through the season. Uh, It's just like he's this close to having a Pro Bowl year because he keeps on almost getting interceptions, and he's got two on the season, which is great. You know, we've had plenty of seasons where there's no corners that have any interceptions at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right now Witherspoon has one, Wallace has one, and Sutton has two. So you're getting some interceptions out of these guys. Uh, But Cam Sutton, I feel, is like – an inch away from having a pro bowl season right now. And it's a shame because I feel like he's represented himself pretty well, but very, very up and down from all the other guys this season. Mm-hmm. No, I move on to safeties, Cody. I think we should. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Trey Norwood real quick. I was looking forward to seeing him play corner this year. And with all the injuries, he was unable to. So we'll see if that's something that happens in the second half. Cause I felt like he was a really strong uh, slot corner last year. Uh, especially in passing downs. Uh, Minka started off the year fantastic, right? All these interceptions, and then people just stopped throwing at him. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you want him to do? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good strategy. People used to do that with Polamalu too, and uh, yeah, yeah, now we're seeing it with Minka. Uh, I think Edmonds has had more good games than bad games, as much as that pains Cody to hear me say. Uh, but uh, there's been games where, I mean, was, wasn't Edmonds the only starter against Tampa Bay? <laughs> <laughs> all the yeah. rest of them were out injured that game that doesn't mean he played well but yes you're he, correct he held them together man. <laughs> he held them together tomlin said so i believe tomlin <laughs> <laughs> but i think edmund's having a little bit better a year uh than in some previous years uh still not going to be confused with an all pro still not going to be confused with a pro bowler he still doesn't have any interceptions on the season uh but showing some stout play against the run and in a few pass breakups here and there uh so uh, you could do a lot worse for starting center. Uh, and we might do better, or I mean safety, uh, we might do better in the second half with DeMonte KZ coming off the injured reserve. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that personally because he looked like an absolute madman in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the addition of KZ really will allow some flexibility in that secondary in the second half and might really confuse some of these QBs. Yeah. Um, anything safety-wise you want to talk about, Jill? I'm good. There's Y'all good. are Y'all are killing it. <laughs> uh, unlike our safeties. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, stop. Minka's been great. You know what? You know what? The, yeah, I was going to say Minka's awesome. So, <laughs> and like, I mean, it can only get better, right? It can't, it. it can't get worse. You better find wood and knock on it right now. Uh, I, I did. Okay, good. Um, kicker wise, Chris Boswell coming into the year playing fairly well. He's three for three on kicks between 20 to 29, two of three for 30 to 39, two of four for 40 to 49, and then five of six for 50 to 59 yard field goals. Not his best year, but not his worst either. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously you had Mr. Skiba uh, come in. <laughs> and uh, not, he's, Skiba. not Skiba. <laughs> he's two for two on the year uh, so far. And that hopefully that's all he's going to be. <laughs> Let's be real. We don't want to see him anymore than we have to. <laughs> um, I don't know. All I got to say is Boz for president. That's in, it. In, in Boz, we trust. In Boz, yeah. we trust. In Boz, we trust. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Boz showing off his leg this year as far as distance with a uh, personal record and record at the stadium uh, currently called Acrosure, formerly Heinz, uh, with always a 59-yarder. Uh, Cody's also in that always Heinz category. It's and still Heinz Field to me. me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got my little Heinz Field coaster. There we go. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, hoping for a little more consistency out of Mr. Harvin the third uh, in the second half. He's had some up and down moments. Uh, his averages are fell at the, at the current time. So yeah, uh, we want to see him. He's got an incredibly strong leg. He just needs some consistency. Yeah, I would love to see his. Uh, listen, if he could just kick and have it be his long for the rest of the year, it'd be a freaky year, man. Sixty nine uh, is his long for the year. It'd be a great time. Uh, we'd all enjoy that. So again, Presley Harvin uh, coming in playing very mediocrely so far this year, unfortunately. And he and he doesn't have excuses anymore. You know, we were very lenient last year as fans or analysts, whatever you want to call us, uh, with the pat. You know, he he suffered so much loss in his life last year, and Tomlin did a really good job of of caring for him and allowing him the time to deal with that stuff. Uh, but at some point, and I don't mean to sound you know cold hearted or anything, but you got to focus on football now. You got to focus on your job. Uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, so uh, kick return wise, Gunnar Olszewski, or excuse me, punt return wise, Gunnar Olszewski's had eight returns for only a 6.9 average <sighs> and two or three muffed, I think, at this point. Um, at least two. Probably Very not, bad. Yeah, probably not seeing him again. And then Steven Sims, four, only four returns for an 8.2 average. Uh, so we will take that kick return wise. Let's talk about that, James. Well, Mr. Sims tearing it up, man. That 30-yard average, 29.7, a long of uh, 89, uh, where we saw him get run down. But the guy that ran him down ran a 4.30 flat, so that's not really – it's not like he's slow. It's just the guy that caught him is really, really fat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So uh, promising to see this kind of performance from the young player. Uh, And uh, that kind of speed can help stretch the offense a little bit too. I think he's going to be real effective in those jet sweeps in the second half that Canada loves to run so much. hundred percent. I've, I've loved watching Steven Sims. That 89 yard return again was the longest in Pittsburgh history that did not go for a touchdown. Uh, So 178 yards on six returns. Phenomenal. I hope to see Mm -hmm. more of it. I hope that we get good blocking. Um, There's a couple of times where I think that Pittsburgh just has not blocked on kick returns. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's rough to watch. Gunnar Olszewski uh, wasn't horrible, but only a 15.3 average. Benny Snell, 7.5. And James Pierre technically has one return. It's not really a return. Uh, I think it was either an onside or muffed kick or whatever it was. W- one of those weird kickoffs where he picked it up and basically just fair caught it. Um, yeah. So a, a better than average year for Pittsburgh on the return game, I would I would argue. Mine on uh, kick returns. Kick returns. Good not, idea. Not punt returns. We haven't. Not punt. Kicked, no. No, we haven't kicked a Browns punter in the face yet, so it's not the best year. Not a good uh, year. Yet. <laughs> uh, not. Hopefully, cross your fingers. Hopefully, we see that soon. Just kidding. I don't want to see that soon. Um, but now we're gonna. He was fine. He was fine. Yeah. It was all. <laughs> could, the the I, funniest part of that is he could have got a touchdown had he just ran yes. around him. Yep. Uh, right. Yep. yep. Or more time differently. But it's Antonio it Brown. 
Yeah, totally worth it. Good for the highlight reel. Uh, now <laughs> we're going to go ahead and talk uh, specifically injuries. James, big one, the biggest one we've talked about multiple times, TJ Watt coming back. Uh, Jill mentioned it, you know, the morale boost that that's going to give to our defense. And quite frankly, our offense. TJ Watt can right. pump up the entire team. Let's be real. Uh, mm-hmm. When they when they play turn down for Watt in the freaking stadium, everyone freaks out, not just the defense. <laughs> We've witnessed that multiple times. So it's the new Renegade. It, it, it needs to be. Renegade's still good. Don't get me wrong. I love Renegade. No, uh, I love I love Renegade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sad I'm not going to hear that this year. Let's not talk about it. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be at any games this year because I'm in Texas. Not like right, but you can play it. Oh, I'll play it. I have a tri- I play it every like when I pull on a certain street when I'm on my way to watch the game. Like <laughs> nice. I hit I hit Renegade right at that moment. There we go. We expect to see a video of that posted to our our social media this week. We'll we'll be waiting. Okay, <laughs> you got it. Uh, James, uh, other injuries you want to talk about? Obviously, we talked about Calvin Austin the third not coming back. T.J. Watt will yep. be back. Um. So I think it's really just the Marvin Leal and, and KZ are the ones to look forward to in the second half. Uh, like I said, I, I felt like uh, DeMarvin Leal was providing some splash, some passes deflected, uh, some good pressure and way better athleticism than you expect out of a guy his size. Uh, and then DeMonte KZ, an experienced safety with a nose for the ball. Uh, so I look forward to seeing some three safety sets with KZ out there. Uh, instead of train Norwood because Norwood's kind of struggled so far this season, uh, which again, seventh round pick. So, you know, Hey, the fact that he's even on the team is a positive. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys back. But I think uh, like you guys discussed TJ, why you can't really undersell that because he's going to flip the field. You know, mm-hmm. part of the problem has been Pittsburgh trying to sustain these long drives uh, and always starting from deep in their own end zone. Well, when, uh, your star outside linebacker gets a strip sack and you you start with the ball in the 30 or something and mm-hmm. uh, you're only a couple of plays away from the end zone. Okay, you know, this is a different ball game. So mm-hmm. I think the, the momentum that he can swing uh, is going to be absolutely massive. And I would say I feel bad for the Saints, but I don't. That's fair. Not at all. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so you hinted the schedule. Um, Let's looking, go schedule! Looking at the schedule, we play... <laughs> We play two teams the rest of the way with a winning ske- with a winning record, and it happens to be the same team in the Baltimore Ravens, but we do play them twice still. Um, everyone right. else is either 500 or below. Um, so we come back next week playing uh, the Saints at home, and then we play the Bengals at home. Again, the Saints have had an up-and-down year. They're 3-5. and five. Bengals are 4-4 four and four, uh, coming off their Super Bowl, whatever that was. Um, then we go loss. to yeah loss. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Colts. We we head to Indianapolis and play the Colts that are th- three four and one. Uh, and then we head to Atlanta for our first December game when they're four and four. All those four games are easily winnable with a healthy team, which is what we should have. Easily winnable. Easily winnable. But the Pittsburgh Steelers have a tendency of playing to the level of the team that we face. Point being the fact that, well, I mean, the Jets are kind of good this year, which is shocking, but <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, but, I can't believe but like, the that's today. a game we should have won. Like on paper, they beat you the look Bills at today? that yeah, Yes, I told today. you that, Cody. I forgot about that. My brain didn't process that. <laughs> Anyways. Like, the, anyway. yeah. But yeah, like on paper, there are these teams that we should be beating and we don't. And it is 
historically true. Like if you look at past seasons where we play crap teams and then we play like crap, I just don't get it. And then we play a great team and I'm like, we're going to lose, but then we win. And I, so I get nervous when I hear like, oh, the rest of our schedule is easy. Cause I'm like, you know, that doesn't fare well for a Steeler team. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's hard not. to argue with that, to be honest with you. Uh, I've been saying that all the uh, Christmas Eve game versus the Raiders, because uh, mm-hmm. it seems like no matter what, whatever the situation is, it doesn't matter. Pittsburgh loses to the Raiders. Uh, they haven't beat them in like 15 or 20 years or something stupid like that. Uh, so on Christmas Eve, and this is a, a game that's like, some sort of anniversary game for them. They're doing it oh, up, yeah. and yeah, so they're gonna have uh, past players there and all kinds of stuff uh, to try to really gain some momentum for that mm-hmm. game. But uh, yeah, I, I might be with you as I get a little should be easy wins than the ones that should be tough because uh, somehow they pull those tough ones out. They weren't supposed to be the Bengals or Tampa Bay this year, so. Well, yeah. I mean, if Bengals, if the Bengals had a healthy long snapper, <laughs> we. That's, that I mean, that's fair. That's we that's we it, technically though. right now, if you look at it, like we should be one and six, you know, one and six, so one and seven, one and seven, excuse me, one and seven, yeah. So I mean, that was lucky, and then it was just chaos after that. But no doubt, yeah. yeah. So again, after the Falcons game, we we have the home game against the Ravens. Then we go to Carolina and play the Panthers. Hopefully, Baker Mayfield's playing because I want to sack him a lot. Uh, and then the Raiders <laughs> game on Christmas Eve at Pittsburgh. Um, and then to, to finalize the year, January 1st, New Year's game and January 8th, we play at the Ravens and then home against the Browns, uh, the two last division games of the year. This division is still very wide open at five and three. The Ravens, um, are not playing phenomenal. Um, and by any means, I mean, if we beat them twice, that's two more losses. Like that's phenomenal. And I want to look just cause I'm curious specifically more about them than anything. The Ravens moving forward. Pro- nope, I lied. They have an easy schedule too. Dang it. Uh, they play. <laughs> they play the Saints tomorrow, and then the Panthers, and then the Jaguars, and then the Broncos, and then us, and then the Browns, Falcons, and then they end the year Steelers, Bengals. So there's no, there's no reason the Ravens shouldn't win this division. Um, mm-hmm. But Pittsburgh has an opportunity to at least make it close. Uh, you know, anything can happen moving forward. Um, unfortunately well, it started off bad. <laughs> it did. Well, and at this point, you know, as a fan, like, what would you prefer? Would you prefer that we take losses and get a better draft pick? No. Or we finish up? I mean, no, I don't want that either. But like, realistically looking at it, you know, like, do you want a higher draft pick or do you want both? Losing I just want I just want the I just want the Browns want to lose out. <laughs> or not the Browns, <laughs> the Bears, excuse it's me. It's a valid question. What good does it do you to finish the season seven and ten and right. have like the fourteenth pick overall? It's fair. It would be nice to to bust off some wins, but unless they can really do it uh in a fashion where they make a run at it and mm-hmm. actually get into the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be kind of frustrating if we end up picking in the upper teens, lower 20s again uh, after such an awful start. Right. So let's let's go around the table here or the virtual uh whatever you want to call this <laughs> triangle uh and and go ahead and say what do you think is this going to be Tomlin's first losing season? I think yes. I'm going to start off saying yes. I think this is going to be a losing season. Yeah, I don't ahead. I, I think it's a losing season as well. 
I mean, I, I just don't, I don't have, even though I'm optimistic with like the injuries that are coming back and like the development of the lines, I don't see us winning a lot of games. We'd have to win seven of the remaining, what, eight? Yeah. And I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Mm -hmm. So this is where I kind of differ from you guys a little bit. I think they're definitely not going to win a <laughs> winning season, uh, which is frustrating. Uh, but I, I feel like it's too tall of a task at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting off the season two and six, uh, like we just said, even if you bust off six wins out of the next nine, it's still a losing season. Yeah, right. Uh, and that's a tall task asking that uh, after how they've played so far in the first half. I don't think they're going to give up. I do feel like they'll probably get at least four or five more wins. Uh, but then that, like we just mentioned, kind of gets you into that frustrating area where you might be picking in the mid-teens uh, right. and really miss out on some of that elite talent at some of the positions that you could really use. Yeah. Um, James, you want to end this talking about we can each share one thing we think the Pittsburgh needs to do to improve the second half of the season? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, for me it's – um, the defense needs to dominate in the second half. Uh, we've got to see uh, one, two, three punts on a regular basis. We need to see those turnovers go back through the roof again uh, and lots of sacks on the quarterbacks. Uh, the potential is absolutely there. Uh, so I think with a dominating defensive performance, we can turn the season around. Uh, but I think that's the most likely path for Pittsburgh. That's fair. Jill? I mean, that – I would love to see the defense do that. And I have more faith that the defense will do that. <laughs> but I think the offense just, you know, it it reminds me of last season where our defense was stellar, but then our offense just never did anything with turnovers and we're three and out. So I would like to see more use of pickings and development of the tight ends. Fair. And and I kind of stated mine earlier and I'm going to state it again. I, I You just got to see that offensive line get it together. Um, there needs to be holes for Najee to run through. There needs to be time for for Pickett to go through his reads. And, and not even all of them. If he can at least get through two or three, which is normal of any quarterback to do. And I don't think he's doing it poorly. I just don't think he has the time to do it. Uh, so whatever the offensive line has to do, if that's a change of personnel or if that's a, a change of scheming or if you got to put an extra offensive line in there or use a tight end or use a running back to stay in and block on the pass plays, you, you got to do what you got to do to help Kenny Pickett uh, perform better to the best of his ability, which unfortunately is deterred. His ability is deterred with the offensive line playing the way they are. Um, so yeah, the offensive line is improving, improving in the second half of the season is how I want to see us play better. So again, um, that's going to wrap up the episode on mid season recap. We can't thank you guys enough for, uh, being here watching on YouTube or listening wherever you're listening again, a special thanks to our special guest, Jill shout out to her bar again, one more time. Gressos. Gressos in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Go check them out if you're there. Uh, thank you guys so much. Again, be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody. And Jill. And Jill. <laughs> Signing off. Peace. <laughs>